Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's find Acts chapter number 28. Let's stand to our feet. Children, you're dismissed down this hallway to Children's Church in the club room. Acts chapter number 28, and uh, you can follow along with the guide in the bulletin if you'd like. Acts chapter number 28, the first 10 verses this morning. We'll read these and then we'll jump into the message. Acts chapter number 28. Let's read together here. Follow along as I read. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And we uh, know this today as the island of Malta. So I'll be referring, it, uh, referring throughout the message to it as Malta. And the barbarous people there showed us no little kindness. That's a little flourish of the of Dr. Luke as he writes, he always kind of under, uh, under uh, plays it, no little kindness, in other words, an exceeding amount of kindness, for they kindled a fire and received everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid it on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the um, barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt, this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance, notice that word vengeance, suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when uh, when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, But after they had looked for a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he, Paul, was a god. In the same quarters were uh, possessions of the chief man of the island, the ruler of the island, if you will, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. Let's pray together. Father, would you guide our time together? Thank you for the stirring music that we've heard. Thank you for what opportunities are up next for us. Thank you for the opportunity to give and to worship you through giving today. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be together as your children in this place. Now, Lord, I ask for the filling of the Spirit in this hour that you would enable me to speak as I ought to speak. Lord, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts it is the living word. It's, it's holy. It's, it's separate. It is above all other words. It's not like the word of men. And Lord, it, you said that you, you put it higher than your own name, and we're grateful for that. Lord, you've chosen to put into this, these the pages of 
your word, this story, this narrative that is important for us. And I pray that you would be our teacher. And if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Savior, that today they would accept you by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And God's people said, let's be seated. So Paul has just come through 14 days of this storm that we talked about last week called Eurachlodon. I like the, the name of that, that storm, Eurachlodon. It's simply a typhoon. It was a powerful typhoon. Some of you have been through something like that. But he was 14 days on the sea. And let me just tell you, it wasn't like a cruise ship. When we were down in Grenada, we got to, uh, we got to take a, a water taxi along the coast of Grenada. And we got to come right up against some of these cruise ships. And they're massive. Some of you, have you been on cruise ships before? They're massive ships. But the reality is, Paul's not on a cruise ship. This was a wooden vessel that... Uh, that was built as a cargo vessel, it was out of Alexandria, Egypt, and it was carrying grain that they had offloaded during this time, and so it wasn't this enormous vessel like we might think of today. And so I'm just trying to underscore the reality that this has been a terrifying time, and especially for those that did not know Jesus Christ and did not have a relationship with him, Paul knew, because of his faith in God, Paul knew that the Lord was going to carry them through. The Lord had revealed that, uh, that to him. And so Paul had great faith and was encouraging those. In fact, the Bible says in the end of chapter number 27 that all hope was lost that they would actually survive. And so this was a boat full of 275 plus Paul, 276 individuals that were frantically scared uh, uh, about, the, about their survival through this storm, Eurachlodon. And so as we, as we went along, we realized that God had borne them along, the same word that God uses uh, to describe the, the inspiration of Scripture, bearing along of uh, the men who penned the pages of Scripture. God had, through this storm, borne along this boat, this wooden vessel, and he had borne them along not 40 miles like they wanted to get to the Phoenix. Uh, there in the island of Crete, but 480 miles west across the Adriatic Sea to this little island that's smaller for you that went to Grenada. It's smaller than the island of Grenada. And God, through a storm, this, this baffles me that God is able to do his power to, to bear them along and land them on a rocky coast there, in, uh, there on the island of Malta. And so we realize that here they are, they were hoping to, to winter in Phoenix, but now they are landed on this island. They don't know anyone, it was not a part of their, their sailing plans, and they're landed on this island, and they're just dropped there. The Bible says that they escaped there. Uh, they, they no doubt were holding on, those that could swim would swim, but th uh, those that could not would hold on to parts of the, of the boat to float, uh, float into land, and it was still raining, and it was very cold. And so they're just dropped there. And I want you to think about this thought that truly 276 individuals that day, which was a miracle in and of itself that they all survived, that was a God thing. It really was. And God came true on his word. When Paul said, I believe God, God came through on his word. In the middle of that storm, God came through and fulfilled his promise to the Apostle Paul and those that still needed to, to receive him. So they land there and they are definitely stranded they are stuck you know we hear from time to time this this term emotionally about feeling stuck feeling like i'm just in a jam i'm 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 
I'm in a place in life I can't move forward, I can't go backward, I don't know where to turn, I'm just stuck. I don't know what the answer is. And truly, the Apostle Paul and these individuals that were there, along with the centurion Julius, were, were very much stranded on this island. And I don't want us to see that in verses 1 and 2. I want us to see how that Paul and the rest were stranded. Now, they were stranded for a season. The Bible tells us they were looking for a place to, to winter. Paul had already said over at the Fair Havens, hey, folks, we ought not go forward because this is not a good time to travel. Between November uh, 10th and March 11th was not a good time to be out in the Mediterranean Adriatic Sea. It was a bad time. Eurocladons uh, or these nor'easter typhoon-type storms were known to pop up, and it certainly did. And so it wasn't a good time. They, they had hoped, uh, um, Paul had said, hey, we shouldn't go, but they, they went. They wanted to, to winter in Phoenix, but they did not. That was not, <laughs> God had other plans for them. This storm came along. And I just want us to realize that they were here at Malta for the space, the Bible says, of about three months in verse number 11. Three months, stranded, stranded. Can you imagine yourself stranded for three months somewhere? You know, we get antsy if we're stranded for a day somewhere. We get antsy if we're stranded in another city here in America for just a short amount of time. It's like the greatest crisis that ever, we had to get a hotel. Hey, we had to get a hotel, a warm hotel with a shower and with a swimming pool and with a hot and ready free breakfast, right? We get, we get antsy at that type of strandedness. But listen, they were stranded for three months in a strange island that they had not planned to go on go to. The Bible says here that this is the island of Melita or Malta. It's 60 miles south of Sicily. It is also only about nine miles wide by 17 miles long. Not very, not very big. Now, the fact that God brought them to that island is quite amazing. When they landed, they landed at the, north, on the northeast side of the island in a, in a bay that is now called St. Paul's Bay. There's a lot of tradition that, that surrounds that. St. Paul's Bay. The bay was about a mile wide and about two miles deep, and it was a very rocky coast that was there in that bay. If you'll show me that next picture so that we can, we can see that. It was a bit of a, 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 bit of a, a place that God had brought them into. There's a, uh, it, it's cooperated with a creek that's mentioned here as well. But this was a rocky bay. This wasn't a place that you wanted just to, to, to land hard on. But they drove the ship right into the, uh, the bay, or God, um, God did, and they, the, the, on the, the ship was completely a loss, and they were able to escape, uh, escape onto land. So they're, they're in St. Paul's Bay among what the Bible says to be uh, these barbarous people of, of Malta, and it's done for a season. Now, I do want to remind you that Paul, as an individual, is physically stranded here. This is where he is, along with all the others. Yes, they are. But Paul, as, as, uh, as the focus character here, is physically stranded. You and I do not like to be out of control. How many of you love it when someone else is controlling your life? Circumstances, employer, job, family. Anyone? We like to be in control. And friends, put yourself in the, in the uh, shoes of the Apostle Paul who in this moment was physically stranded in this place. And Paul was a, a person that was able to make relationships, and we see that, but he was physically stranded in a strange place for three months. He had no control over what was happening right here. God had landed him there. God had allowed this. He is also politically stranded because, remember, he was 
not set free because he had appealed to Caesar and because of the political dynamics of the relationship between the, uh, the, the uh, Roman government uh, officials, Felix, Festus, Nero, Herod Agrippa, the, uh, Herod Agrippa II, he is, he is politically stranded because they don't want to let him go because they're going to get heat from the re- on Jewish religious leaders and the Jewish religious leaders just really wanted him dead. So he is there because he felt no other option than to appeal to Caesar. And obviously, in the midst of all this, God is working out his plan to get get Paul to Rome to be able to preach the gospel in Rome and even in Caesar's house. But there's there's a sense where everywhere Paul was, everywhere Paul looked, he was stranded. He was just stuck. And friends, even great servants of God, as well as just... Plain servants of God get in places where you, you are stuck. You are there for a season. Now, Paul's been in these places before. He was in Caesarea for over two years in a prison cell, waiting for hearing after hearing after hearing. The reality is, you might be in the same situation as, as Paul today. You might feel physically stuck with a health issue. You might feel stuck in a job that just doesn't seem to be working well for you. You might be stuck in a situation in your family and you don't see a way through it. You might be stuck spiritually and you've been crying out to God and saying, God, I need a breakthrough. I need you to give me some answers. And the reality is you and I get into those positions where we just not just feel stuck, but are stuck. We're just there and I I, I don't see a way. I couldn't take an action step this week that would change my situation. Only God could change my situation. And so Paul is in this, in this scenario, and I do want to remind you, when you feel stranded, when you feel stuck, do remember the psalmist in Psalm 139. He said, and speaks wonderfully about the presence of God, he said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Verse 5 says, thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. The word beset is the idea to envelop, like an envelope. And the psalmist says, in the middle of me running from mine enemies, in the middle of me feeling trapped, stuck, I remember that you have enveloped me and your hand is upon me. That's a beautiful picture right there, friends. Now, I don't know where you are this morning, but chances are every one of us can identify with that feeling of feeling trapped, stuck somewhere that you don't want to be, right? Right? See Brother Steve shaking his head as your foot's propped up, right? You might feel that way, but God has not stopped enveloping you. And we have to continually, if if there's nothing else about today that we just kind of wrap our brain back around, is get reacquainted or get your focus right in the right place, not on the foot. Sorry, I don't make a practice to preach to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Great illustration, brother. But on him who's enveloping us, who is besetting us behind and before. In fact, David goes on to say in that psalm, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. And we have to remember that. And, and frankly, Malta was, it was pretty far out there. And he's there. And God shows his power even in that, that place. And I want us to realize that Paul is stranded in this, in this place for a season. There are seasons of our lives where we're, we feel stuck. We just feel like, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I can't go anywhere. Seasons. 
What season are you in right now? But I want us also to notice in verse number two, they were stranded among strangers. Have you ever walked into a room full of people and you weren't invited there? Like you, you, you walked in and immediately felt like I'm the outsider in this situation. Like I've, I've stepped into something that's obviously very much a family, very much a clique, very much just a group of people that are not interested in including me in. Now, I want us to realize when they got onto this island, they were, they were coming ashore, dripping wet, cold. It was still raining. It was wintry time. It was, it was probably around that November period of time, just that kind of that awful, bone-chilling, cold, wet weather. And so they're coming ashore. The Bible does say that these people receive them, but these were strangers to them. And we get this from this word barbarous. They weren't like uh, knuckle-dragon barbarians, like, you know, kind of like, that's not the idea of the word. The, the word simply is the idea of a foreigner, strangers, people that might have spoke a different language. It's very possible that they spoke a different language than, than the, the folks that were coming there on the ship. So here they are, they're in this, in this land among foreigners, 276 of them. Now think about that. We're not talking about a big island. It made a splash on that island when these, on these folks all showed up. It hit the headline news on that island, no doubt. 276 landed on the island, stranded, cold and wet, with only the clothes on their back. They needed clothes, they needed food, they needed fire. And what did these folks do? They, they kindly treated them, and we'll see that in a moment. But they're among, as 276, they're among these foreigners who likely spoke a different language. Talk about the feeling, the, the feeling of strandedness just getting a little bit deeper. Like, I'm, we're among these people, we don't know them, and yet we're here and we're stuck here for the winter. The Bible says that they showed no little kindness. Simply the idea of, of a love for humanity. And what I find extremely interesting about this, and I haven't totally chewed this one out, in the, in, you know, meditated this one out, but this is the same word this is the same word that God uses to describe his love for us in Titus 3 and verse number 4 when the kindness and love of Christ appeared to us in sending his son. And it's a love for humanity. And I get kind of the picture that here are these people who were indeed made in the image of God. God built in us to love one another when we see someone suffering. And it was that, that their their heart response as humans seeing other humans going through a difficult time and suffering and saying we're going to reach out and we're going to meet that need god created us with that now sin certainly taints that does it not we hear people all the time say oh there's good in all people we 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 hear that all the time well that's kind of the idea of what's going on here is is god had created on uh, creates us with that 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 uh, inclination to love in that way. And I'm sure thankful that our God loves us in that way, loves us as humans, but also loves us far beyond that in giving himself sacrificially for our sins. And he did that at the cross. But these, these folks show no little kindness. And, and it wasn't a big thing that they did. They simply started a fire, a very practical thing that they did, just a very humane thing to do that uh, they did on that day. They, they started a fire. Why? So they could get warm, so that their hypothermia would wear off. They could get well again. It was to these people that Paul felt himself a debtor. 
He says in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. What's Paul saying? To the Greeks, he was saying to the Jewish people, I am a debtor. I owe them the gospel. To the barbarians, the people that only know their language, I owe them the gospel as well. And he says uh, to the Romans in verse number, uh, chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, as Paul lands on this island, very quickly in his mind is, Lord, where are the opportunities for the gospel? And we'll see that as we go a little bit further into this, this, uh, this story. But I do want us to understand that here he is, stranded among strangers. And it wouldn't be long until Paul made some friends there on the islands. I do want us to catch this, that sometimes our strandedness means that God is connecting us, putting us in places with people that we'd never have met otherwise. It might be a hospital waiting room. It might be in a mechanics waiting room. It might be in a hotel that you didn't plan on staying in. It might be in a job that you really don't like. But the reality is God allows our strandedness to be the means by which he connects a gospel witness, someone with a life and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ burning inside, to be connected with somebody who does not yet have that and encourages them. I remember when we, my wife and I were on our way back from, uh, from India and we came uh, because we missed the flight in Mumbai. We came through Paris. And we happened to, be, happened to be standing at the desk trying to figure out our, our flights and everything. Uh, I believe it was American Airlines. And, and we happened to be standing there. And the guy right next to us was having an awful time. He had lost some paperwork. And he, he had lost his wallet, for one. And, and, and so he, he just having an awful time dealing with things. And he was, he was really struggling to get another flight. He had missed his flight, and et cetera. And I don't remember all the details. But this is Edward DaCosta. Met him back in uh, early 2000. Uh, 20. You say, why do you still know his name? We, we made a connection on that day. We had lunch together there in the Paris air- airport, and we still, uh, we still connect with each other every once in a while on, on WhatsApp. And you know what? God, God has a way in our strandedness being in a place where you don't want to be, uh, taking a different, different flight or whatever the case may be, being in that place to make a connection with someone you never have met before and be able to encourage them towards Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate that God is still working even when you feel stuck. It's not your way. It's not the way that you want things to go, but God is doing something. He's working out a plan in and through your your life. So Paul was stranded, but notice what Paul did while he was stranded. Do you remember? These guys, the the Maltians, you want to call them that, they, they kindled a great fire, and they're warming, and you know what would have been really easy, like the other 275, just to sit back and receive that kindness? Not Paul. Not Paul. Paul stands up, begins to go get some kindling for the fire as well. He doesn't just receive the kindness. Boy, it was, it was a wonderful thing. But Paul began to serve in the middle of being stuck. Paul begins to serve, and it was a simple act of service. It was a simple act of service. It wasn't, it wasn't a great thing. Paul didn't build a shelter. Paul simply duplicated their kindness and went out and began to help and to to gather firewood for the fire. Friends, let let me encourage you with this. Sometimes we neglect to serve 
because we can't serve in a significant way. I can't do that, so I'm just not going to do anything. Paul did what he could. Paul did what he could. Do you remember Mary when she broke the alabaster box? Do you remember that? Jesus said, hey, leave her alone. She did what she could. She did what she could. Friends, the reality is you and I need to be content to serve with what we can. Not with what we can't, but with what we can. You might not have all the gifts that another person has, but you can serve God with what you have. And that's what Paul did. He served God how he could in that season of life, in that moment in his life. Paul couldn't walk all over the island like he, he could before. He, he, was, he, had some, he had some bondage there. He was under the auspices of Rome. Yet Paul in that moment did what he could and what a powerful testimony it was. Don't fail to serve in a simple way because you cannot serve in a significant way. We need to be a church that's, that's happily serving in simple ways. If you go to the work tomorrow, serve in simple ways. God will make significant ways available to you, but serve in the simple ways. Paul didn't have a sour attitude, even though he was cold and wet. I don't know about you, cold and wet is not fun, and I'm likely to develop a sour attitude. Not Paul here. Not Paul. Paul served in that moment. Paul, in a moment where he could have just let other people serve him, Paul served with simple acts of service. Don't underestimate the power of service upon your, your, your life and your mental health and your physical health. A couple of doctors have put out a, a survey or a, a research study in a book recently speaking to the power of service upon our physical health. The power that serving has on our physical health, they've titled some of that, Serving Others is the Best Medicine for Yourself. Now, I don't know all the angles that they're coming, uh, coming from, but I felt some of their, their statements were interesting. Uh, serving others is linked with longer life, buffering the effects of stress on our mortality. They uh, go on to say research uh, supports that volunteering to serve others can help maintain vitality, cognitive function, especially among the elderly. Now, let me just, let me just say something here. As you and I grow older, and some of you are down the path of maturing a little bit further. You come to a very real point in your life where you have memories of how you used to serve God. I need you to really listen on this. And you get depressed because you can't serve God how you used to. Friends, serve with what you can. Put sticks on the fire. Give a cup of coffee. Pray with somebody. But if you spend the sunset years of your life, the retirement years of your life, bemoaning that you can't do what you used to do, you will waste those years, those very precious years. And I urge you, we need the generation that is the older generation, I urge you to embrace this time, the season of your life that in a very real way sometimes feels like you're stranded. Health binds you. I can't do what I used to do. But God has a simple act of service for you to do even in this time of your life. And so let's serve and and realize that depression will set in. 
Blues will set in as they, they say, if you're not serving, if you're all self-focused, you will, you will get very, very down. Find a way to serve. When you're stuck, find a way to serve. They went on to say that robust evidence supports that being a giving, others-focused person is associated with happiness, well-being, fewer depression symptoms, better relationships, and more on professional success. You know what? It almost sounds like they've discovered that God was right in his word when he said, by love, serve one another. And it's amazing how science is bearing some of that out even as they studied that. I'm just simply underscoring that reality. Serving in your life in the ways that you can is very, very important. Others don't necessarily have to see it. In fact, many times that's the be- um, those are the best acts of service when no one else sees it. It's just you and that person and you're doing it for the glory of God. Remember, Jesus said, Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what we ought to do. We ought to model him in our everyday life. Who can you serve today? Who can you serve with what you have in a simple act of service today? Let's do it for the glory of God. But notice there is a scary aspect of service as well. I want to draw, on, draw out here, it's obvious, Paul was bitten by a viper. He was bitten by a venomous snake. Anyone been bitten by a snake here? No one? My uncle uh, over in West Virginia where we like to, like to go uh, sometimes, he, uh, he was re- recently bitten by a, uh, a copperhead. And, uh, and he, came, he came through and just fine. But it's not a fun experience. They tell us to go up and hike in, uh, over there in West Virginia in a place called Dolly Sods, which is a, a wilderness. But they talk about the snakes and the, and the, the bears that are up there and, and, and so on. Like, I, I'm not going hiking up there. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, well, even uh, behind the cabin where sometimes we stay way up on the mountain, they, they, it's just full of rat- rattlers. I don't go up there. I don't, I don't hang out up there. I don't want to be bitten by, by a snake. Paul didn't see this one coming, likely blended in with... Uh, Blended in with the sticks, which is kind of scary in and of itself. But here he is bitten. You know what you and I in that moment might have, have said, or we might be tempted to say, here I am trying to serve other people and look what happens. Why do we even get in the middle of this? Why do we even try? Here Paul is in the middle of trying just to be a blessing. He's, he's struggling. He's been 14 days in your rockladon. I mean, it's been, it's been a, a, a wearying experience. And here he is trying to serve with the strength that he has in just a simple way, and yet he gets bit. Uh, I'm certain, I'm certain that, that Satan was seeking to, to hush the apostle in this, in this new land that needed the gospel. But these things happen. Difficulties come when we're serving, and I want us to realize that no matter who you're serving or where you're serving, difficulties and challenges will absolutely come. Sometimes they'll be external, sometimes they'll be circumstantial, sometimes it will be from the very people that you're trying to serve. But the reality is obstacles and opposition will will indeed come. And so the scary part of serving is sometimes what happens if when I serve, I get hurt? What happens if it kind of blows up in my face? What happens if I get rejected? What happens if, I get, uh, if my physical safety is not, is not good in that, in that place of service? What happens if I, my life is in jeopardy? 
Yeah, there's a scary part of service. There's a vulnerable part of serving the Lord. But what I'm saying to you this morning is, here Paul is in this strange place among foreigners trying to serve in simple ways, and yes, even he, God allowed the great apostle Paul to face some opposition, some obstacles. Do you know that Jesus served? Jesus served. The Bible tells us in John 13 and verse number 4, he riseth up from supper, he laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Pleasant. To wash 12 men's feet. Yuck. But Jesus did it. And you know that that day when Jesus was washing their feet, you know that Jesus washed a man he knew full well would deny him and curse his name? Jesus washed the, the feet of a disciple that would sell him out? Jesus knew that. And yet he still served them and modeled that. Friends, opposition obstacles will come in your service to the Lord Jesus Christ. This week, expect op obstacles as we serve the Lord. Expect obstacles as we minister to children during adventure camp and this week. Expect obstacles as you go into your workplace and shine for Jesus Christ. Expect obstacles as you lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in your family. Expect it to happen. But friends, as it does happen, what should our response be? Paul just simply shook off the snake and 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 went on. He calmly did this. There wasn't a whole to-do. Luke does not write down that Paul was like, you know, I'm just going to get away from this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to... No, it seems that Paul just went on about his, his service, continued to serve and to love people. Now, what happened, though, were the people there on the island, do you remember what they said? They said, oh, this must be a murderer. This must be a murderer. Don't you love it when people make assumptions about you? How many of you love that? They make assumptions about you. They write off the appearance. They, they just say, from the outside, not knowing your story, not, not hearing your heart, they make assumptions about you. And that's exactly what happened here. They made assumptions about him. They branded him as a murderer. Well, he must have just been a murderer, and justice or vengeance is having its way. Now, this word vengeance is interesting because it seems to denote they were referring to a, a goddess of justice that they believed would set things straight, that would make wrongs right and uh, uh, would take care of just making sure justice was, was served. A little bit in the non-biblical uh, thought process of karma. We even hear today uh, a lot about that. And by the way, I, I urge you, I urge you, I urge you as a Christian, don't get caught up in that. That's, that's not... That's not biblical. We do know from Scripture that there is a judge. And the Bible says in Genesis 18 and 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. He will set all things straight. There's not some goddess out there or some mystical force made up by some religion out there that's going to take care of that. But they believe that and just underscores the reality these people needed Jesus Christ. They needed a relationship with him. And so they said, well, he's a, he's a murderer in vengeance. This goddess is going to take care of all this. So they, they watch him. He's supposed to die immediately, just like anyone else would from such a snake bite. And he doesn't. 
And you notice how fickle these folks are as they watch them for a, for a period of several hours or more? They totally change their opinion. The Bible even says that they change their minds, and now they say Paul is a god. Isn't it interesting how fickle the opinions of man can be? But what I want us to catch is this. If you serve Jesus and others based on the opinions of man, you will be sorely disappointed and you will be on a roller coaster ride. We serve Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said that to the Colossian believers in chapter 3 and verse number 24. He said, and whatsoever ye do, you know it, say it with me, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. But the very next verse says, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. For ye serve the Lord Christ. Friends, today, let's get our eyes back on Jesus and remember, I don't serve man. I don't serve their opinions. My service to God ought not be based. It ought not rise and fall. The intensity of my service ought not rise and fall based on what someone else assumes about me or based on what someone else, the accolades they give. Well, he's a murderer or he's a God. Talk about fickle. In that one moment, from one incident, they make all those assumptions about him. We serve the Lord Christ. There's going to be challenges. But like Paul, we can shake them off through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can continue forward for the Lord. Let the love of Christ constrain you forward. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Let's go forward for the Lord. Let's keep our eyes on him. So Paul was serving in the middle of his strandedness, but Paul was also sowing. Look at verse number 7 on through 10. Look this morning and see how the very next verse, there's an opening for a personal opportunity to make a difference in a person's life. This man named Publius. He was a chief leader, the highest official on the island, likely a Roman official. And there he is on the island, and his father-in-law is sick. The idea here is there was a fever and some dysentery, uh, likely a common ailment of that day, but a deadly one. And so his life was in jeopardy. And, and the Bible simply says that Paul entered in, that Paul had made enough of a connection. There was, there was a spiritual reality about Paul. The hand of God was evident upon Paul's life. And Paul is able to enter into Publius's house and to ba basically be able to pray and to bring the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ into his life. Now, the apostles did not heal at their own will. Uh, healing wasn't to make the apostles have a greater ministry, to be able to buy Learjets to, um, to jet around the world, to be able to buy uh, nice houses in the Florida Keys. Healing here was something that the Lord prompted and directed, and it was, as throughout all the book of Acts, a way, a means by which God confirmed the message of the gospel. And we find that in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 4, we, or chapter 1 and verse number 4, we find that God was very careful to confirm the witness of the gospel, especially among people that did not have a copy of the scriptures. And so God was doing that. And here, so Paul simply prays and he asks God to give uh, life again and heal. This, um, this man, the, um, Publius's father-in-law, and to be, able to, um, be able to see healing and wholeness come back into his life. Prayer is, as one man said, a declaration of dependence upon God. Paul did not come in, well, I'm here to save the day. Afterwards, you can buy one of my hankies. 
Uh, for, a, for a small donation, you'll be able to have this healing. No, Paul did not any of that. There was no pomp and circumstance. There was no emotional music that was, that was moving this moment. There wasn't a hit across the forehead. Friends, we see all this, the charlatans of today. You hear the healing, healing services, and I do believe that our God still heals. But our God will never heal for the glory of man. He will always heal for the glory of himself. When a healing happens, it will be known to all that this was God that did this, right? And so Paul prays, asking God. And I, I guarantee you that Paul did not pray a generic, deity-less prayer. And we pray in the name of Mother Earth or whatever. God did not, I, Paul did not do that on that day. I guarantee you he prayed, just like he always had, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lifted him up, even in that moment, lifting up Jesus Christ in front of those, those, those people within that house. Friends, God gave healing to this, to this man. The Bible says in Acts 14 and verse number 3, Long time there, uh, therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony or witness unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. This was something that God allowed to happen there to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to extend the work of the gospel there on the island of Malta, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Paul didn't bring attention to himself, but gave attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he brought healing through God's power to um, Publius' father-in-law there on this island. Now, I want us to think about this. Who is the one person in your life that you need to take interest in, that one-on-one -on -one relationship, just like this, this man that Paul didn't know until this time, you need to take interest in and allow through your life to bring the wholeness of Jesus Christ to. Might be a person you, you have prayed for, you have asked the Lord to do a work in their, in their life, but it seems like they just don't get better. And this week would be a great opportunity to reach out to them and to seek once again to bring wholeness to. Maybe with an encouraging word, maybe with a personal testimony about the power of Christ in your life. But who is that, that person that you need to take interest in? Paul had a personal opportunity to make a difference in this man's, in this man's life, and so he did. And Paul, in the middle of being stuck and stranded, brought wholeness to this person. It would have never happened otherwise, except for Paul going through that storm and being stuck on this island. But notice this personal opportunity led to a public opportunity. So when this was done, verse number nine, so then when this is done, and I think it was, uh, it was wrongly saying father-in-law is his father, Publius's father. When this healing happened to Publius's father, all across the island, not a big island, but word travels pretty quick when someone gets healed, right? And so they start coming. And the idea of them coming, the Bible uses the, the word and the tense of it is that they came and kept on coming. The idea is that they came throughout the time that Paul was there, they kept on seeking Paul. When you hear that someone has been made whole, someone has gotten whole in their body, or someone's gotten whole in their heart, they will, they will come. They, they will want what you have. And so Paul's one-on-one -on -one personal interaction with Publius' father led to a public opportunity to impact an island for the Lord Jesus Christ. All in the middle of being stranded there. Stuck there. So what... 
What purpose is my stuckness? What, what purpose is me being stranded in this, in this season of my life? God has a purpose. Number one, get serving. But don't forget to sow the life and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ into the lives of others, both in the one-on-one moments and also the public moments that God opens up. Now, we can't always arrange the public moments. God brings those to us. But friends, we can take the private, personal moments with somebody that God opens up this week. We can take that and be faithful when no one else sees. God will open it up. God will make it broader. Now, there's something interesting here. Verse number 10, would you look at it with me? Who honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. You know, they came to the island with a, their clothing on the back. The idea here is that they left the island with what they needed. You seek first the kingdom of God, even in your stuckness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So many times in our lives, we get focused on the things we don't have, and so I can't serve. You get focused on the kingdom of God, even in the middle of being stranded, and you'll be amazed what God will open up. Let's do that for his glory. So we feel stuck. We feel depressed, feel kind of blue, getting that mental state of just being, you know, lost in our own swirling sea of, of hopelessness, right? Paul, in the middle of that moment, was others-focused. He was others-focused. He wasn't focused on himself. He was getting up, putting sticks on the fire. He's getting up, going to Publius's house, and, and, and carrying and praying with this, this, uh, with this uh, father, and, and caring for, you know what? Paul was likely exhausted by all the people on the island that were, that were coming, but Paul cared and he was other-focused during this time. You and I get tempted to be self-focused. Friends, that'll lead you down a path you don't want to go. That'll keep you in a, in, a, in a hopelessness. That'll keep you in depression. That'll keep you there like, like a, a prisoner. My encouragement to you is get others focused in your stuckness. Get others focused when you're we're stranded and ask the Lord to help you with that. Brother Dennis read a few moments ago, Philippians 2 and verse number 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look out there. Why? Because we have that in, in Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a, a servant. That's what Paul exemplified on this island. In the middle of being stranded, in the middle of a trial. And so I encourage you to do the same. And I'm going to invite you here in a moment just to find a place to pray and ask the Lord, perhaps you're stuck. Perhaps you feel that way. Perhaps it's more than a feeling. Perhaps it just is real. But right where you are, God intends to work through your life if you'll serve him and others. and You'll sow the seed of the gospel and shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring you through. There was a day they left the island and they went on. There was a day they left. But in the middle of that island, they saw the power of God revealed. And that's what we all need to see, don't we? So let's ask the Lord to help us with that. Would you stand with me in prayer this morning? Your head's bowed. Perhaps in your heart, the Lord is just prompting you about this matter. God, I've been rebelling against you. 
for allowing me to be stuck and stranded here. I don't want to be on this island. I don't want to be in this job. Sometimes I even wonder if I want to be in this family. You feel stuck. Today's the day, friend, to simply bow your heart and your your knee to Jesus and say, okay, in the midst of this strandedness, I'll submit to what you're wanting to do through my life. In the midst of being here, I'll serve. In the midst of being here, I'll witness. I'll shine brightly for Jesus Christ. I'll choose to serve even when I feel stuck. It'll revolutionize your life. It will change where you are. It's amazing how many times our focus really gets in the way. Would you focus back on him today? How many say, Pastor, God is working in my heart specifically about what you preached about? Yes, I I identify with the Apostle Paul, but I realize I need to be serving and, and sowing during this season of my life. You say with an upraised hand, God is working in my heart about that. Amen. Amen. All right, let's find a place to pray right now. Maybe kneel there at your seat or come forward. It's up to you, but I encourage you to find a place to pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us with this. Let's submit ourselves to him this morning. As the piano plays. The worst place to be stuck is in your sin apart from a Savior. Jesus came to rescue you from that. If you do not know for sure that heaven's your home, that you have eternal life, today is the day of salvation, and I encourage you to receive Jesus Christ. We'd like to help you with that. If you'll make that need known, we'll help you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, You are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.